0: It's good to be together. It's good to see you. Uh, New rhythm for us. The church is open here on campus, and uh, three weekends or three services every weekend. And it's just good to be together. It's good to be together. This is a highlight of my week. I hope it is uh, for you as well. And God's answering prayers. Uh, Next weekend, we're going to have the elders praying with anyone who wants prayer after the services here on campus. And we do that several times a year. Uh, The elders are basically, they're, they're part of our church family that together we choose as they serve one year at a time. And they're not paid. They're not on staff. They're the leaders of our church, spiritual leaders as well. And they love to pray with people. So if you have any prayer requests, anything in your life going on, Next weekend after each service, we'll have prayer with the elders. We also are starting up Tuesday night prayer again, and this will be uh, starting on Zoom, 5.30. It was something that uh, we've had going for a while, and we we took a short break, and now we want to dive back in. So anyone can join in through Zoom, 5.30, Tuesdays, every Tuesday as we seek God together. And then there's an answer to prayer. I'm just seeing so many married couples right now sharing how God is strengthening their marriage. And we've provided some content daily if you want to get signed up and you receive that content in your inbox. And it's been a sweet time to really come together, some restoration, some healing in marriages. We're seeing God do a lot of things right now and it's an exciting time. Uh, We're in a series, Relationship Roadmap, looking at the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 12 today. And Abraham and Sarah, it's their story. We're going to be walking really with them in their story for a couple weeks. As you go through Genesis, Abraham and Sarah are really major characters. And in the New Testament, over 80 times we read about Abraham and Sarah and their faith together. The focus today is why does God bless us? That's the question. Why does God bless us and how does God transform our lives? Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful, God, for everything you're doing in our lives, both individually and together. And God, we are hungry for your presence. It's why we gather here today. God, you're our joy, you're our treasure, and we're hungry for more of your presence in our lives. God, Without your presence, Lord, we're, we're empty, we're dry. Sometimes we're even cruel without your presence, God. You make all the difference and we humbly come to you humbly seeking you together today and pray that you would lead and we want to grow in our faith as we get into your word. Transform us through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. The main idea today is that you are blessed beyond measure and called to bless other people. You are blessed beyond measure. I picked that phrase carefully, beyond measure, and then also called to bless other people. This is really a way to live that's pandemic proof. You can live this way any time, any situation. There's a lot of people in our culture who are doing a lot of bashing. Belittle people, there's arrogance, there's slander, there's hatred, there's resentment, there's bitterness. That is not your call. That is not your calling. Your calling is to bless other people as God has blessed you abundantly. And this passage in Genesis chapter 12 is foundational for the book of Genesis, the Bible, and for our lives as well. Uh, We're going to look at three areas. Here's the three areas. The first one, how blessed you truly are. That's important to take in and receive from the Lord and realize how blessed you truly are. Second, what about when you don't feel blessed in life? There's a lot of times we don't feel very blessed. What about that situation? And third, how do we bless other people? How do we bless other people? And as we go through this series, a Relationship Roadmap, I think there's a realization and a longing for something better. In life, in our relationships, we long for something better. And it really starts with abiding with Jesus. As you draw close to Jesus, Jesus changes all of your relationships and he gives you a love and a joy and a peace to enter in even the most difficult situations. Let's walk with Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 12. And it starts out in verse 1 as we think about how blessed we truly are. Chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, god's love (laughs) we're including god's presence it's god's grace these undeserved gifts we receive from the lord and then also sometimes we use the word bless when we talk about god and we say we bless god and that means we thank god and we praise god that's a second definition but the thrust here is god's help god's favor and god's grace and right away god blesses abraham and sarah there's like a seven pack of blessings that god pours out into their lives he says first i'm gonna bless you Then he says, you're going to be a great nation. I'm going to give you a great name. Then I'm going to bless those who bless you. In protection, I'm going to curse those who curse you. Uh, You will be a blessing, and also all people on earth are going to be blessed through you. Do you ever stop and think about how many blessings God's brought into your life? Uh, First of all, there's his presence. There's no greater blessing than his presence. And his love we have a God who communicates. He talks through the Holy Spirit. God talks to us through God's word. God communicates through us. God has given you a calling. God has provided many people in your life so many blessings. God has also given you talents. He has given you resources, opportunities, and In case you're thinking, how has God really blessed me, I encourage you this week to read Ephesians chapter 1 and just grab a pen and paper and start writing down all the ways that God has blessed you and just take it in. There's more blessings from God than we could ever count. There's more than we'll ever see or even understand. We're talking about now and into eternity. And I think as we consider God's blessings, what we're going to realize is we really don't deserve this many blessings. We really don't deserve this many blessings. But His grace just comes and comes and comes. And specifically in Genesis chapter 17, he says, Abram, I'm changing your name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. And Sarai, your name is going to be changed to Sarah. And their destiny, God is revealing it. A father to many nations. Sarah, princess, not just my princess, but now princess to many, mother of many nations. And also, Sarah, in your line, there's going to be kings. King David will be in your line, Jesus will be in your line. I'm talking about land and descendants and all these blessings. That God speaks to them. And Sarah tries to take it in, and she laughs. I mean, at age 89 with no kids, she's going to have a child next year. She laughs in doubt. Maybe you've ever laughed sometimes because you thought, no, God is too good. He couldn't really do that. And then you know what? God is faithful. And then she laughed with joy. She laughed with other people. She laughed in celebration. And there's a sense of awe in that aspect of God. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, God's arm is not too short. Nothing is too difficult for the Lord. And that's Abraham and that's Sarah's story and that's our story. And we seek God. He rewards those who earnestly seek him and we come to him by faith. Jabez knew this. First Chronicles chapter four, we read the prayer of Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. There's probably a lot of people who could have the name Jabez. But it literally means causing pain. His name is attached to pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. And that's not just physical land and territory, but my influence. Enlarge your kingdom through me let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. When he asked that he be free from pain, it's more than just you know, what we would pray during a procedure coming up. or It's not just uh, that he would not experience pain. But see, names are so important in the Old Testament, in the Jewish culture. And the name Jabez, his name was literally tied symbolically to his birth, causing so much pain, but also names were futuristic. And he knew that his name was attached to pain and what he was saying is, God, I wanna be a blessing. Uh, I know my name is attached to causing pain, but God, may my life be a blessing. And God blessed him, but we don't know, we don't know how his life played out because we don't get to see Uh, the rest of the story. But we see this prayer, and God heard his prayer. God hears our prayers, and he blessed them. So what do we do with our blessings? What did Jabez do with his blessings? We don't know, but we know what we're doing with our blessings. And with blessings, there come temptations. I want to list seven temptations to you. Send a framework here. Here's one temptation. When God blesses you, it's to hoard those blessings. The book of Proverbs talks about generosity so often. Proverbs 11, verse 25, a generous man or woman will prosper. He or she who refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the man who hoards grain, but blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. There's a temptation to hoard. Here's another temptation with blessings, just to take credit and say, look what I've done, look what I've built. Instead of thanking God and publicly giving him the praise and the glory, There's a temptation to judge other people who have less. Say, oh, I know why they have less. Or to judge other people who have more. Oh, it's because they're greedy. That's why. Uh, Instead of just having joy in how God blesses people. Then sometimes there's a temptation to feel entitled. Well, I know. I deserve it. God has to give it to me. No, he doesn't. God doesn't have to bless us at all. It's all his grace. Every blessing. In every blessing, God is the complete source of our blessing. And then the temptation to think that, uh, you know, now that I'm so blessed, I'm just gonna kinda retreat and isolate and just enjoy all my blessings to myself, kinda me first. But no, we're not called to retreat and isolate we're influencers and we're called to build up god's kingdom in the temptation in a prosperous country like america is to get materialistic and if we do get materialistic the love of god will become cold we will be lukewarm in our faith the love of money leads to all kinds of sin money's a blessing but the love of money or materialism will lead to a lukewarm faith you cannot be materialistic and on fire for the lord at the same time so all these blessings that god pours out we want to be aware of the temptations And then we really want to think, why does God bless us beyond measure? Why does God bless us so much? And here's a couple of reasons to consider. First of all, he blesses us for his glory. This glorifies God. When he blesses us, he blesses us because he's a God who demonstrates his love. He doesn't just talk about love, he demonstrates his love. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. God's love is demonstrated on a cross as the son of God sacrifices his life for us and through his shed blood we have the forgiveness of sins. But this is his love in action. And then God has a redemptive story, a redemptive plan. He has a story for your life and that includes how he blesses you. God will also bless those Who honor him? There are blessings of obedience where you honor his word, and that's why he'll pour up more blessings. But here's the one that I think is overlooked and underlived, and it's God blesses you. Why? Because how God wants to work through you. In other words, the vision is you are a conduit. What is a conduit? A conduit is one that carries that transmits that there is a flow, a heavenly flow as God blesses you and then you bless other people. That is a major reason. And whoever's faithful, God will give because he knows they're faithful and they will bless other people. And we see these reasons throughout scripture. So here's a challenge as it relates to relationships. Let God's presence, his goodness, and his blessings be the basis for all of your relationships. Let that be the basis. It's not who's the other person and how they're treating you, but let a focus on the Lord and his goodness, his blessings, be the basis of your relationships. Because the truth is, the more we know God and we receive his blessings, God will change the way that we view other people. And that's in our neighborhood, that's in the nations. God will change the way that you value other people, that you have compassion for other people. God will change you as you draw close to him. And so oftentimes we pray, God bless me. But as we say, God bless me, what we're really praying ultimately is, God change me. God change me so that I'll be a conduit and be a blessing to more people in a significant way. Uh, There's a class called Perspectives. If you're interested it's about God's heart and love for the world, for people of all nations. If you've never taken this class, you just write in the Connecting Card Perspectives. We'll, we'll get you the information. But what he's saying to, to Abraham and Sarah is that I'm gonna bless you beyond measure. And why? Because there's a new vision. There's new relationships. There's new joy. And this is for the nations. In other words, gratitude should lead to generosity. And Abraham and Sarah, I think they're gonna swell up with gratitude and it's going to lead to how they live their life in a very different way. God has a calling on their life. He blesses you, and with that blessing, there's a calling, and God will lead you. But first, realize how blessed you are. Realize how blessed you are today. I'm going to give you a challenge in the take-home, just realizing how blessed you are. Our kids, last night, we did it together as a family, so uh, that's coming. Let's move on to the second part. Not only how blessed you are, but here's the second part. What do you do when you don't feel blessed? I think there's a lot of times where Abraham and Sarah don't feel blessed. Take a look at verse 4. Let's see what happens. Right after this powerful blessing in the start of chapter 12, now look at verse 4. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he was sent out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and all the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Mora at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hill east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now this is where it gets interesting because you say it's going really well. The Negev, that's a wasteland. And verse 10, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. What do we know about faith? Faith receives from God, but faith also obeys and trusts God. We know that God tests our faith. And Abraham and Sarah, they're getting their faith tested right here. Now think about what God has called them to do. God has called Abram and Sarah to leave a pagan background. He has called them really out of darkness. I didn't grow up learning about Jesus. I didn't grow up... God's name was not honored in my, in my house. If anything, that was a name you'd never want to say. Uh, Jesus was a name. A Bible would be something you want to get rid of in my house. And many of you have a, maybe a similar story. You're atheist, agnostic for a while. But God reached into a situation. He pulled you out, maybe pulled you out of some sin. And anytime time God pulls you out of some darkness, that darkness wants to pull you back in. And God called Abram out of Ur, Ur. It just sounds like a place where there's a lot of false gods, doesn't it? Where do you live? Er. Uh, Joshua, the book of Joshua says er was pagan. It was idolatry. It was false gods. You know, how's that false gods thing working out for you? Er. How's your spiritual life? Er. How does that work to reject the living God and then just kind of do life on your own? Er. And God calls us out of err, and he leads to Haran and then to Canaan. Abram's going to travel hundreds of miles on this journey he's going to leave where he's settled and leave where he's comfortable has God ever called you to leave where you're comfortable and where you're settled have you ever moved maybe we didn't expect it or didn't even want to have you ever moved your whole family I mean Abram's taken the whole family and just think what that's like to go to a new place and to make new friends and learn a new culture and new job And all these things that Abram's going to go through, but by faith he's going. And when he goes, he's all in and there's no delay. You can appreciate that because a lot of people say, God, I know you've been calling me for five years and I haven't responded. Oh God, I'll respond after A, B, and C, and D. God, let me just think about it and pray for it and maybe just uh, analyze it for a while. No, that's not Abraham. Abraham is like, God, we know it. It's clear. We're doing it. And he steps forward in faith. And what does God do? leads them to a famine. Does God ever lead people into a famine? He does right here. After Jesus was baptized, where did the Spirit lead him? Into the wilderness. Testing. You go into a time of testing? This is a testing. And he steps into a famine. God, I just gave up everything. I left the pagan idolatry. I left where I was comfortable. My whole family came, and God, you just led us into a famine. In this journey right here, 75 years old, God is going to say, Abram, Sarah, you're going to have a child. Is that child going to come right away? 25 years later. Can you imagine that? You hear from God. This is what God's going to do. And now we've got to wait 25 years. My wife is still barren. All right, 89 years old. She's still barren. You said we would have land. You said we'd have descendants. You said all these things. But you know what? I'm looking around, God, and I don't see any kid that we have I don't see any family extending the land that you said. Abraham, when he died, all he had was a cave. He got a little cave at the end, but he doesn't have the land. And the kid's not going to come until 100. 25 years of waiting. And it's going to be a lifelong journey. And I've got to think there were moments during those 25 years where Abraham and Sarah just thought, God, have you forsaken us? Did we do something wrong? Did we hear you? God, have you forgotten about us? You're still with us, but you've forgotten. God, are you not faithful to keep your word? Because all we've got is your word. We're looking around. We're not seeing any glimpse of having a child. But all we've got is your word. And his word is enough. But maybe they wondered, is it too hard for the Lord? Is it too hard? I'll tell you a temptation when you're in pain and you're feeling disappointment is just to leave and just to say, God, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own plan. I'm going to start calling the shots because clearly when I follow you, look what happens. And this is a testing. But I'd say that in pain, in pain, that's where we often grow the most. Pain is what pushes us often to really go deeper with God, to trust God more, to get authentic, to get rid of sin. It's pain that pushes us towards Jesus so often in our lives. And then there can be great growth. Abraham is going to reject passivity. He's not going to have a victim mentality. He's going to have courage. He's going to lead. He's going to continue to go forward by faith. Sarah is not going to criticize and turn against her husband. It says that instead she respects her husband. She had a gentle spirit. She was strong in faith. And then in Galatians chapter 4, she's symbolic of believing that we're heirs of the promise. And her life came down to the promise of God. And that's where she landed They walk by faith. So what do we do in the middle of the famine, the pain, the trials? Uh, This is what my challenge is to you. We've all got blessings and we've all got burdens. And we're all going to talk about both. What's the ratio these days? Talking about blessings, talking about burdens. We do need to talk about burdens. We need to carry each other's burdens. And we need to be real. We need healing. But let me ask you, are the burdens overshadowing the blessings? What's the ratio? This is what happens. If you keep choosing burdens instead of blessings that you want to focus on and overfocus on and talk about and talk about some more, you know what happens? You're going to get worn out. I'll guarantee it. If you focus on the burdens, you're going to get worn out. It's not just going to be you, it's going to be the people around you because every time they come around you, you're just talking about the same burdens and burdens and burdens. So instead, we focus on Jesus and as we focus on Jesus, we see the blessings and when we start to talk about the blessings. We become a blessing. We acknowledge burdens. We're real about burdens but burdens have their place and we don't give them too much power and we focus on the blessings. There's going to be many times in your journey with God like Abraham and Sarah where it says, they hoped. They hoped in God, even against all hope. The situation looked like it was against all hope, but they chose to hope and trust in the Lord. And ultimately, his word never fails. And so they landed on his word. They moved forward by faith. And it's an incredible story, incredible story what God does. What I want us to also notice today, not just how blessed we are, not just how to respond When it doesn't feel like we're blessed, but how do we bless other people? And when God blesses you, one of the things to do biblically is to enjoy those blessings. It's probably not taught about that often or often enough, but the Bible says when God blesses you, it's to enjoy that blessing. Draw close to the Lord, celebrate with friends and family, enjoy the blessings together. But also know as you enjoy blessings, There's also a responsibility. To whom much is given, much will be required. So blessings come with enjoyment. Blessings come with responsibility. And ultimately, blessings lead us into reliance. Because if God gives you a lot, you're going to need to ask God, God, how do I I steward these blessings? God says to Abraham and Sarah, the nations, all people are going to be blessed through you. That's a path of reliance. God might bless you with this calling and vision, but then that leads you into more reliance. And so blessings lead us into enjoyment, responsibility, reliance, it's all tied together with these blessings. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 14 to 16. Because you say specifically, what does it look like to bless other people? This is what the Bible says, bless those who persecute you. In other words, when someone mistreats you and there's an injustice, you can still pray for them and love them. You might need space. It might be wise to have distance, but pray for them, love them, be kind. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Find people who are mourning and mourn with them. Enter in. Live in harmony with one another as far as it's dependent on you. Do whatever you can to live in harmony with one another. Forgive everyone fully. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Maybe people that report to you. Maybe people who don't have as much as you. Maybe people that the society sees as outcasts, the people who are overlooked, who are maybe on their own. Go and be with them, care for them, the marginalized, the mistreated. That's who you walk with, like Jesus. And don't be conceited. A lot of specifics. We need specifics because bless someone is kind of general. But we need some direction. I encourage you to find people who are blessers, not bashers. Find people who are blessing other people and walk with them. Bless people together. It's a joy. It's a life that's truly life. When someone's a basher, just be careful you don't surround yourself with a bunch of bashers because that's going to get into your head and start changing the way you treat people. What does it look like to bless people? Here's an acronym that we've been, last six months, just talking about and living at our church. Uh, The word bless. Begin with prayer. Listen. Eat. Serve and share. Those are action points, kind of holy habits. We unpack these in our new website, AbideAndRespond.com. I wanna share some examples of each one. Uh, The first one, prayer. Actually writing down, I like to take a three-by-five card and write down names. I just put a lot of names on that three-by-five card because I wanna pray for people and if i have a card and have their names written out then i'm more likely to remember them in prayer so i make a three by five card i think of my friends relatives uh it could be acquaintances neighbors people i work with and i just write their names down and start to pray for people specifically then there's listening joe choi and his family christina i like what they're doing just looking around our city auburn small businesses building relationships going beyond the wave it's easy with neighbors just to wave hey what's up how you doing but to take it a step further beyond the wave and start to listen start to listen to people hear their stories hear their pain hear their dreams hear their journey hear their thoughts about god and start to listen to them listen well listen with your heart listen with your ears listen with your mind be a great listener we need more great listeners uh, be a listener there. And then also eat. Eating could be, well, it could be going out for coffee. It could be at a restaurant. It could be in your home. I want to share a few pictures from Grace Loves Auburn a week ago. And this is all about relationships. I know there's food involved, but relationships are always what's important. And, and food does play a part. So we had an event here. That's our parking lot. So many different people helping uh, and basically cars come through. I don't know how many cars came through in those few hours, but we different boxes, produce, food. Uh, you'll see there's more boxes there. It was really people of all ages at our church. There were seniors. There were kids. There was you know high school, middle school, young adults, just the whole range serving together, giving away different things. You know what stood out to me is how many people drove to this event, and it was clear, and even they said it, I'm living out of my car. Do you know how many people in Auburn are living out of their car? They, they had all their belongings in their car, and they were coming from some, for some food. Uh, there's a lot of bread in this picture, and again, more people serving. Here's a funny story. You know, sometimes with events, it looks like, oh, everything must just run so smoothly. We had kind of a wild turn of events with Grace Loves Auburn, because where we were going to gather our food from, the source, uh, suddenly— was not available uh, just about two weeks before the event. So two weeks before the event, everything we lined up, suddenly they, didn't, they weren't able to participate. And we were like, what are we going to do? We are saying, Grace loves Auburn. We want to feed Auburn, build relationships, and we've got no food. And Joy and I were kind of looking at each other like, what are we going to do? We were praying for food. And so, you know, we are able to go buy some food. But then God provided. And we uh, instead built relationship. And there were some really generous donations. And this is the irony of it. We were given so much fish and so much bread. And if you know the Bible story, when there's masses of people, there's thousands of people, and there's no food, what does God provide? Well, he takes the fish and the bread, and he multiplies it. And then there's all this leftover too. And the disciples kind of pick it up like, oh God, yeah, you really do. You really can provide. Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So this is funny because we were giving up more and more. And by the last hour, we were like, put 10 loaves of bread in that car. Put 15 loaves and desserts and all that. And we were just, giving away so much and people were so grateful. And we, we finished and there's like just trays left over. That's why we had bread out last weekend. But it was like same God in the Bible is the same God today. He's the God of provision. He wants us to walk by faith. And there was just all this bread and, and just so much left over. There was one lady uh, that caught my attention uh, talking to her Uh, she was just amazed. She said, you know what? I was on my way to Safeway, and she said she doesn't have much, and she was on her way to Safeway to get all these groceries, and they were all right here, and she didn't have to pay anything, and she just stopped, and she was just blown away. She had no idea the event was even happening. She just drove by, saw it, came in, got all the groceries she was going to spend money on, and she was just tears. You know, the mask and just the tears and tears. And it, it, it affected her so much, she couldn't even really drive away. She was just there crying and, and just joy and provision. And I just said, let's pray together. Let's pray together. And we prayed. And uh, I want to tell you, there were so many people we talked to who said, wow, church is open. I want to come to church. Can I come? Yes, you can come. Yes, you can come. And so we build relationships. Sometimes food is the way that we come together. Here's another one, serving. We have a sewing team at Grace. They've made 139 quilts for the children's hospital. They made 22 quilts for people who are battling an illness, fighting for their life, or have lost loved ones. They've uh, put together 178 dresses and sent them to Uganda and Kenya in six large containers now sent to Liberia. And kind of behind the scenes, blessing other people. I met with some city leaders this week in Auburn, including the mayor, and we just had a conversation about how could we as a church family do more to serve people and bless people in Auburn in talking about the possibilities there. Again, when God blesses you, you want to be a conduit, not the cul-de-sac where the blessings stop, but instead a conduit that the blessings flow through you. And this includes sharing, the last S. Sharing. For some people, this is the scariest one. J.I. Packer says you simply present Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit changes lives and people put their trust in him. But present Jesus humbly, clearly. Spurgeon shares it this way and you just hear his love for people, his awareness of eternity, that there's only really two destinations for eternity. There's with Jesus and then rejecting and being apart from God forever. And as he considers where people are headed, he says at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them. And we know the Bible says God doesn't want anyone to perish but have eternal life through Jesus. And he says this, let no one go there unwarned or unprayed for. What is our role? To pray, to share the good news of Jesus. And I've been listening to how you're sharing. Someone uh, also let me know that they're sharing with their friends from the military back in the day. Some are sharing Jesus as a teacher with a class. Some are sharing Jesus with their parents, trying to reach their parents who are quite old. Uh, some are sharing with siblings, neighbors, and even employer, sharing Jesus with the person you work for. That's what you're doing. And you know what's happening? Stories break out. We've got this new rhythm with our staff where we just share blessed stories. Like, And and the focus is on Jesus. He's the hero, but what is Jesus doing through you to bless other people? And once a month, we get together and we just share these stories, amazing stories. The elders, same thing. Once a month, last five months, just sharing stories. How is God working through you to bless the people that God's brought around you? Life groups. We're going to start doing that. We've got 55 life groups. We're going to start doing that once a month in every life group, just sharing blessed stories. They're exciting. You can just feel it's. It's not just taught. It's caught. And then you know what happens? The culture changes. Cultures change in a church as stories, as people participate. The culture changes, and then pretty soon God raises up cultures that are different than the culture we're living in overall. And there'd be a group of people that say yes to Jesus and on the other side of yes see what he wants to do in terms of blessing other people this is all focused on jesus ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 and 2 follow god's example therefore as dearly loved children, realize how loved you are. Realize how blessed you are. This is the pattern of the Bible. It's the pattern of the epistles in the New Testament. The first three chapters of Ephesians, how loved you are, how dear you are, how blessed you are. And then the last three, because you're so blessed, now walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, is Jesus in the Old Testament? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everything we're looking at in Genesis so far is just pointing to Jesus. Adam and Eve sinned just like we sin. There was a covering, it was an animal sacrifice pointing to the sacrifice that is to come from the Savior. And then we see that Cain killed his brother Abel, his blood, Abel's blood in the ground, crying out. But then we also read in the Bible that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word, a word of redemption, a word of grace. Noah, we looked at last week, Noah in the ark pointing to Jesus. He is the way. He is the salvation. He is the rescue in the middle of the flood. This week, Abraham, Sarah, the blessings in their life, you know who's going to perfectly fulfill this? It's Jesus, the greatest blessing to all the nations. It's Jesus. So what happens is when you get close to Jesus and you really walk with him and you're really close with him and you abide, you realize how loved you are, how secure you are in him, and then his passion becomes your passion, and then pretty soon you realize that the blessings, they are personal and they are relational. And Jesus pours them out into your life personally, just like personally with Abraham and personally with Sarah, personally, relationally, but also, don't miss this, globally and generationally. Abraham and Sarah are going to get a vision for future generations. When you get close to Jesus, he's going to give you a vision for the next generation, how to pour into the next generation. And your love for people from all nations will just take off. It'll just take off. Why? Because that's God's heart. That's God's heart. And so get close to God. And then He'll change the way that you see other people. Every follower of Jesus is an influencer. Every follower has been blessed. Every follower is called to bless other people. I talked to Sam Kim this week, who's a Stanford grad, venture capitalist. And he said, you know, this passage just changed his life. Because he, as a venture capitalist, had a lot of money. And he thought, you know, I give the church a little, I save a bunch. And I just live. I just live, you know? And he said he realized from this passage where the end zone is. The end zone is to be a blessing and share Jesus with the generations and the nations and the nations. And I'll tell you, a really important thing in life is to know what the end zone is. Because if you don't know what the end zone is, you just start running backwards and sideways and out of bounds. So what is the end zone? And again, you are blessed beyond measure. You are called to bless other people. It's a both hand. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for blessing us beyond what we can describe or count. When we even think about eternity, the blessings are of a magnitude, God, that we can't calculate, that in our heart starts to swell with gratitude. We can't believe it, that we are heirs, that your promises are real. God, we can't believe how much you love us and how good you are to us, far better than what we deserve. And God, I pray out of that blessing, there would be a fresh vision of what you want to do in our lives, God, as we... Begin in prayer as we listen to other people, as we share meals together. God, as we serve and use our gifts, as we share the good news, Jesus, to a world that is starving for good news. God, I pray that you would lead us by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray the culture in our church family would be so different than the culture that we're seeing right now around us. And I pray there'd be healing and restoration, a greater love, a greater unity. And Lord, we take to heart what you want to do in these relationships. And the reason, God, we change is because of your goodness. Because of your goodness. It's what changes everything. Your goodness, your grace, your presence. So we worship you together. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen.